0: Welcome back to Coaching Kernan, episode 25, Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, your co-host. I'm joined by America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. Kevin, welcome back to the show. And I'm joined by one of our resident experts, Will George, scout, Colorado Rockies, uh, 40-plus years in the business as a coach, player. Guys, great to be back. We are excited to have our guest today, better known as the hit doctor, Joe Barth from South New Jersey. Baseball Hall of Fame, 2007 inductee, 45 years coaching experiences, founded the Arsenal USA Baseball Program, expanded to six states now, 16 national titles, I think 16 draft picks in last draft, if I'm not missp- mistaken, including Mike Trout uh, as a 13-year-old coming up through that program. Joe, welcome to the show. We're glad to have
1: you. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I want to um, I want to kick it off here. I got a question for you. you and I talked quite some time off the air. Um, I want you to tell the audience or explain to the audience something that your college roommate back in 1970 predicted to you about baseball. Now, to the audience, he was a soccer player, I think played with Pele at some point, was also a pretty good baseball player. What did he predict to you about baseball?
1: Well, his name was Bobby Smith, and uh, he came to Ryder to play baseball and soccer. He ended up, he was a good baseball player, but he ended up being a four-time All-American in soccer, played for the Cosmos. But he told me back then I went and watched games and it was like watching paint dry, you know, and the score was always the same, one, nothing. And I said, Smitty, this is the worst sport I've ever seen in my life. And he said, Ah, someday it'll be the most popular sport worldwide and in, in America. I think it was popular worldwide uh, pretty quick, but I never thought it would happen in, in be- past baseball or sports in the United States in participation. But it has. yeah. That's terrible. I'd rather watch paint dry than
0: watch a soccer game. <laughs> we don't we don't have a lot of soccer people in our audience. That's a safe, safe Good thing.
1: Good <laughs> thing. We'd,
0: we'd all we'd all agree. T- talk us about talk about starting. Talk about how the Arsenal program started way back when.
1: Well, I actually started in self-defense. I, I was a high school Legion guy and I still think Legion was the best program ever but I had an academy and that's how I fed my my family. And all of a sudden, a lot of my students are saying, I'm not going in. I'm, I'm playing travel ball for Mr. Wasuki. And Mr. Wasuki's kid couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. But now he was the shortstop and he was the second string pitcher. And he was taking one of my good kids and eight of his buddies and starting a quote unquote travel team for the studs. And I was losing too many customers. So as of self-defense, my son decided we should get in the travel ball business. And I said, fine, uh, I don't like travel ball, so I'll never do it. And the next day, a guy with a a good travel program team had never gotten out of per- first bracket perfect game, called my son and asked, would the Hit Doctor be interested in coaching a 15-year-old team? And my son said, yeah, thinking it was the Hit Doctor Academy they want. The next day, I picked up the paper and announced that I was coming out of retirement to coach this 15-year-old team. So I had to do it. And we ended up beating East Cobb and, uh, I don't know, South Charlotte Panthers for the national championship. And I got addicted to it. I I think in the hands of real baseball people, the well-intended tensions of the Fords, travel baseball would have been great. And I was in it for 20-some years. And it's a great system because you play five or six games on a weekend. And I would practice Monday through Friday and then play another tournament. Uh, the, now it's morphed into a money grab where there's six million academies and they don't practice. They just go to tournaments every weekend. And if you have a terrible team, you can get in a terrible tournament and have a chance to win a, a terrible Medal prize, and uh, everybody thinks they're good, and the problem is they're not practicing at all, you know.
0: And that's, that's what's needed with these kids, they need more practice and, and less play. Oh, it was- it's,
1: it's beyond that. I mean, if you saw the futures game, it looked like the Caribbean World Series. American players aren't practicing enough to play at a high level. And last year, you know, I had I was in the hospital for a long time, so. I just got out of the hospital a year and a half ago and I watched high school and I thought I was going back in the twilight zone. A- every team I saw, the kids had Michael Jackson disease and it was every team. You know what Michael, you know what Michael Jackson disease is? No. Wearing gloves for apparent for no apparent reason. <laughs> and they couldn't catch the- a cold in the wind tunnel. And that comes from practice. That's a high rep thing. So again, I, when I do travel teams, I'm trying to do them on, on the right the right way. In other words, your pitcher's got a whole week of practice to throw bullpens, long toss, hand speed drills, work on their change-ups, their breaking pitches, their control. Hitters got a chance to play defense. But I feel like a dinosaur, you know. I'm the last of the Mohicans. They, they, they don't practice. So Arsenal, we started to, because we we're going to practice.
0: And that's that's kind of your philosophy. I, I we I think we all agree with that as well. That there's not enough intentional practice, quality practice going on with these kids nowadays to warrant playing a tournament. It's all about playing tournaments, getting the rings, uh, clickbait on social media, without a doubt. T- talk about the, you know the thing where I I got to know who the Hit Doctor was. Gosh, um, I would say probably thirty years ago, maybe maybe a little shorter than that. I think I shared the story with you. I was. Prepping for the Northeast Collegiate League, which was one of the only wood bat leagues uh, at that time when I was playing in college, um, I thought I had a shot to get signed. I ended up getting signed, but I knew I needed to make a jump forward in terms of um, just some some nugget, something different that was missing. A neighbor of mine who I used to train in his backyard, he had a cage, uh, handed me a, a videotape VHS, so that dates me as a dinosaur too. And the videotape he handed me he said, "This guy's different, um, but I think you'll like it." And it was. Your videotape, The Hit Doctor, um, talked about knob to the ball, talked about uh, quick bat exercises uh, to improve quick twitch muscles. Um, talk about your hitting philosophy and how it's a little bit different than what's being taught maybe today. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, the, uh, yeah I, we, we have eight, uh, actually nine now, nine absolutes that uh, or – fundamentals that we feel have to be incorporated into your style there is no one style that works for anybody i was a pretty good hitter hank Aaron wasn't too shabby uh but whether it's hank Aaron or joe barth or mike schmidt they have a tendency to teach you the way they hit and the problem with that is no matter who it is teaching his swing will make three kids better three kids worse And four kids will stand still, but mentally they got worse because they didn't improve, and they thought they would. So there is no one way to teach. Every guy I've ever had, it was, and I've had close to three hundred major leaguers. Every one of them was an original, and you have to work what they bring it, and they have to incorporate our nine absolutes into their style. And it sounds, uh, uh, it sounds complicated. It's actually much easier. Mr. Griffith used to tell me, if you can't keep it simple, if you can't explain it simply, then you don't know the subject enough. We're going to teach these nine principles really to each kid his way. And I don't want to change anybody. I just want them to do better doing mostly what they do when they come to us. Uh, Our our nine absolutes, and we talked about them in that video 30 years ago, they haven't changed. All that launch angle, uh, all that stuff hasn't changed the truth. And the nine absolutes are see the ball longer than everybody else, Uh, grip, rhythm, balance, negative movement, which we say make the knob move backwards somehow, separate, let the ball travel, stay square, And think swing first, turn second, which is the opposite of a lot of the things that are being taught now. And the current launch angle theories and so forth are teaching kids to swing as hard as they can, where Hall of Famers swing about 70%. They swing with rhythm and timing. You can't time a spasm. And so you have people teaching everybody to swing up, everybody to sit and spin, everybody to have a higher launch angle. And Most of the guys teaching it couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So they get released after a couple of weeks in the minors. They put up a a sign that says former Met Louis Pazui, a hitting guru, and they have a 100 followers. And the truth of the matter is they're not teaching any of the nine fundamentals, nor are they teaching it the way the kid hits. They're teaching them to hit like they did. And obviously, they got released because they couldn't hit. So that's that's it in a nutshell.
0: No, those are all those are all good points. I I walked through those nine principles, like I said, almost thirty years ago. Yep. And without ever having met, I credit in part the teachings you had in that video to helping me make a movement from wood bats in the college league to wood bats in the minors. So that's I thank you off the air. I'll thank you on the air. Um, it uh, it made me feel just like you said. I think you articulate it well for. For the audience, I didn't feel like I was uh, being treated like a robot. I was being given principles, and I got right. to apply them to who I was, and didn't have to change who I was. And it, it was it was very good. I, I, I encourage if it can be found out there in our audience, get that videotape. It'll it'll help you too. But Will you got something you want to add?
2: Yeah, I've I've known Joe uh, from when he first started as the hit doctor, and um, his ability to understand and teach hitting and pitching and the game itself comes from his dad and being around the game. His dad is a, is a legend as is he in South Jersey baseball. I had just finished playing and Joe approached my brother and I, when he started the hit doctor and there was tremendous synergy going back to what Mr. Griffey talked to him about, about keeping the game simple. You know, we had learned from, Cal Ripken Sr. in the Orioles system, keep the game simple. You know, the fu- fundamentals, each person is an individual. You teach them, you know, uh, how to make them the best pitcher they could be. My, my, my expertise was in pitching, but I learned a lot about hitting just listening to Joe, and he was fabulous. And um, that's why there was such synergy. We did not cookie-cut anything and joe started by writing a prescription how to make each individual better that was the whole idea behind the hit doctor uh, and 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 it was like a prescription pad and that was really a neat thing because each kid was different and we we took pride in helping each kid individually so
0: no i think that's a great test. Joe, Joe, give us a uh... But Kevin, go ahead. You wanted to add something.
3: Yeah. I want to get specific here, Joe. Um, you know, um, actually my older boy played at Ryder university too. And, um, I think we play you through the years in Legion ball. That was always a great experience, but tell, give me a little example. Like you, you talk about one of your principles being balance. What do you, what, what do you exactly mean to the young hitter out there? Help, help them with it. How do they improve their balance? Uh,
1: how do you improve balance? Uh, that, that, that's a good question. Most people tell you to keep your weight on the balls of your feet, and that, that's wrong. And now they have all these pressure plates study that teach what my dad taught 50 years ago. Balance is having your weight through the center of your feet. And as you stride, your weight's going to shift a little bit towards the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, a lot of the pro guys right now are teaching to start out with the weight on your back heel and in the middle of your Front foot, or on your back, on your back heel of the front foot, so that when you step, you are completely stuck with your weight in the middle of your feet, both ways, forward and sideways. Right. If you start out with the weight on your balls of your feet, like you do in every other sport, there's a tendency to fall forward and and have the upper body move in a little too much. But a a quick rundown of the uh, of the absolutes. The first one is the biggest problem in Major League Baseball today. See the ball longer than everybody else. Mm -hmm. you got to pick it up sooner. And I want my kids to pick it up as soon as he shows you the weight of the ball. And I want you to be loaded before that ball comes at you. You can't be doing a whole lot of loading on the way out. And uh, so you're going to pick it up before anybody else. And we spend a lot of time and I see the ball, you know, ball, ball. Uh, so we try to pick it up early. Some guys soft focus, which they're watching the whole picture for the ball, and they never pick the ball till up till it's halfway home. Your eyes work like a 500-millimeter a camera, not like a movie camera. They take a picture about every six feet. If you miss it coming out their hand, it's going so fast, it'll be two or three pictures before you pick it up again. Why? You've got to pick it up and get the timing of it as it's moving forward. It's still in the pitcher's hand. Now I want to follow it all the way in as far as you can. We know in reality they actually lose sight of it about 15 feet in front of home plate, but your head has to be perfectly still during that period. And as you swing, otherwise you lose the perspective of where the ball is. And the reason – so many Hall of Famers use a scissor step, and the Astros teach a scissor step because it backs up your contact points a little bit and gives you a little more time to see it longer than everybody else. I don't make people do that, but it certainly has proven to be a big thing for the Astros and for all the Hall of Famers that have used it.
3: And what's a scissor? let us I, I don't want to interrupt, but explain scissor step. Well, scissor step is is what
1: Bay Booth did Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, Tatis, the entire Astros organization, and A-Rod. When they swing, they plant their front foot. Before their hands finish the swing, their weight gets 60 to 70% on the front foot, and their back foot moves backwards.
3: Yep, yep.
1: And that will not allow their front hip to open. And it backs up your contact points.
3: Yeah, it locks and you in there. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah.
1: It locks you in. And not only that, power comes finally from the upper torso. The, the hips are two bones that really don't move, okay? <laughs> but what you want to do is not get your hips into the ball, get your butt into the ball. And you do that by getting your rear butt cheek loaded away, further away from the plate than your front one, and then unloading it. But just by simply bringing my knee forward, it brings my buttocks forward. And if you watch Trout, he can hit a ball out of the catcher's mitt. Yes. It'll go out of the park in center field, right field, left field. Same with Altuve, Correa, Correa, because their swing is shorter. I used to hear, after my college coach worked with me, the first couple of years I, I hit over 500. Then after that he taught me how to hit, and I could never hit again. Because I was popping my hips. I was taught to pop my hips, yeah. which I never did before. That's a misnomer. All right. The energy passes from the ground through the hips, through the upper torso, out the arms, and to the bat. The upper torso is what Sosa and Griffey you saw obviously torque awful fast. All right. Their butt got into the swing, but they weren't really popping their hips. Hard, like people are teaching nowadays. You don't do, have to do that as hard as you can. In fact, if you do, your head's going to come out, right?
3: Absolutely. But anyway, they used to
1: tell me, my coach said, uh, after he worked with me, the scout said, your swing has to get shortened up. It was so short before and compact. Now it's long. Well, with a scissor step, it makes you automatically compact because you can't open your front side. And now your contact point's backed up. And you hit it much closer to the plate. So you have more time to decide, more time to swing. But my swing is short. Barry Bonds' swing was a foot long. That's hard for people to comprehend. But his hands moved about 10 inches. And his bat got there. And, uh, again, he he didn't open up his hips real hard. But you saw him. If you watched it in full motion, it looked like he did. It it didn't. The sw- the hips just follow the swing.
0: Well, uh, know, I,
3: I, real quick, I, I you know I covered Bonds and I covered Gwynn, and they were good friends, and they would talk a lot of hitting, and um, they they would they would kind of have similar philosophies, even though different hitters type hitters. But I remember Bonds telling me that his you know he was more of a punch. Uh, that's right. I, it, it was, it, am I am I misstating that, or is that right? Is that no?
1: That's exact. That's exactly right. In other words, if you don't open your front hip, your top hand is going to punch and it's, it's going to make contact close to the middle of your body. So it's really only moving a short distance. I, I filmed a lot of my hitters in the old place that will work with me. I, I had a overhead thing where I, I filmed all my hitters from above. Right. And I could tell my ma- major league hitters, if they all had the same clothes on, I could tell by the length of their swing. And so many of the kids open their hips and now they have to hit the ball way out in front of home plate. So they got to commit earlier. And if that's,
3: the ball long, which is your number one. Principle.
1: Right. And once I commit my barrel and it gets way out in front, I can make no adjustments. Barry Bonds, some of these kids in high school are finished their swing and Barry Bonds hasn't even started it. The ball's <laughs> on top of him and he just goes bit and, and his bat's there. So he makes much better ball strike decisions. Uh, We we work, uh, like you said, we we work on those various uh, absolutes. And the second thing is I think mechanics are only about one-fourth at most, probably less than that, of being a good hitter. Uh, I used to be in Legion ball. They used to compare me to – Cincinnati post one had a first baseman and he, he had an ugly swing, but he, he hit a lot more homers than I did. And I was a real good hitter, but my Legion friends said, Well, you're better than him. But this guy, my dad said, Yeah, your swing looks better than his, blah, blah, blah. Well, that guy, uh, his name was Lee May. He played in 14 All Star games, right? And he had this short, ugly swing. He actually stopped it at contact. Okay, but he was strong as a bull physically. And he had the ability to barrel the ball, which is a separate ability to make the barrel hit the ball, not just the bat. And he had that that uncanny ability. He barreled everything. And he was so beastly strong that the ball went out of the park, even though it looked like he took half a swing. And so I'd say 14 years in the All-Star Games, a pretty good hitter right? And the, the gurus today would say he has a terrible swing. But let's say mechanics is 20% of hitting or 25. Physicality is every bit, if not more important. Mm-hmm. I've never shook hands with a first rounder like Trouty uh, without saying, oh my God, give me my hand back. They're so strong in their hands yeah. and their forearms and their upper body. And the kids come to me, they're they're like toothpicks. And they say, how can I hit better? I'm, I'm striking out too much. I'm not." You, you, you. Major leaguers today look like football players 30 years ago. They're really strong. I think physicality has to be at least equal to mechanics. And if you don't believe that, get the best 12-year-old swing in the world. Bring him over to uh, Shea Stadium, and I'll have him face LeGrom. Not only will he make him look – he'll strike him out every time, but he'll make him – look so bad you'll say man that kid's got the ugliest swing i've ever seen your swing breaks down because you ain't strong enough to hit, face the hitter, pitchers you're facing and so i put physicality at least even with if not more important than mechanical but more important than that is your approach uh what are you looking for uh how do you practice it what are you thinking what do you know about the pitcher Uh, what do you think with no strikes? What do you think with one strike? What do you think with two strikes? And you have to practice that way. There's three different hitters. One of the things that that Mike Trout could tell you, right, he was an average student in high school, but he had a memory like a hawk. Oh, yeah, this guy, when he's behind the count, he's dead red. Mm. When he's behind the count, he's fastball slider. No curve, can't get it over. No change, can't get it over. Just eliminate those pitches. Uh, that is a very important part of the game. Most guys never hit that, and strike zone recognition. It's very hard to be a, get a great swing on a bad pitch, and so your strike zone recognition is a big part. And the fourth thing that comes into play, which guys learn in the minors, but they don't learn in amateur ball, is in season maintenance. Most guys are their strongest in February. Sure. You should be your strongest in the summer. When, in midseason, your vision should be your best. You should get your eyes checked every year. Do vision drills. You can't hit what you can't see, and you can't feel weak. The bat's got to feel like a toothpick. And guys, let themselves go in amateur ball and professional ball. They don't. But if only our young kids could do that, they they might get signed easier because they get tired in the summer.
3: Every point you make is phenomenal, and um, I don't want to dominate this, but I got one more I want to throw at you. Uh, yeah, especially with the hands and the strength and everything. Uh, another thing Tony Gwynn always t- taught me and told me, and I, and I related to my kids and stuff like that. He he would, and this goes back to your uh, point about um, maybe seeing the ball longer. He told me he would he would zero in on the pitcher's cap and the uh, whatever the logo was. You know, you're playing the Reds; it would be exactly. And then he would make a little transition to the righty or lefty to the, to the uh, arm side, and he'd have like a picture frame where the release point was. Does does any of that uh, uh, jibe up with what you're trying to say? And uh, what, what do you think of that? That those uh, I, absolutely. Uh,
1: Tony Gwynn was one of the greatest people I ever met, and he. I feel good to say he was one of my mentors. I learned a lot. I don't know if it was his goal to teach me a lot, but I learned a lot just talking to him. A couple of things that Tony said, focus in on the hat. Some guys focus in on the front shoulder and wait till that moves, and then they slide their eyes out to the contact, Uh to the release point. But you got to pick up the ball before it comes to the release point or right out of the release point. Otherwise, like I said, you're going to be 16, 18 feet before you pick it up again. And you don't have the timing of the movement, so you really won't know how fast it is. Another thing that Tony Gwynn liked to do, I was in Seattle when San Diego came in, and I was in the third-base San Diego dugout. And my guy's name was Clements, pitcher. I was talking to him. He said, "Uh uh-oh, Tony's going in the cage to hit. I said, what? He says, move over. Get out of here. Keep your eye on he 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 roped the first three or four BP balls into the dugout, line drives. I mean, they were sizzling. Then he hit three or four four balls through the third-base coaching box. Then he hit three or four balls over shortstop, and then he got out, and he said to himself, uh, Randy Johnson's throwing tonight. He's fast, but he's not this fast. Wow. I can let the ball go past me and hit it. I'm faster than whoever they throw tonight. I'm fast. And then the rest of his BP, he roped it up the middle. I pulled the camera out for a second round, and he hit – 10 consecutive balls that hit damn near in the same place right behind second in a row. When I brought the swings home to show my kids, my son and my students, they thought I was throwing them the same swing 10 times. It was 10 different swings and he hit 10 P-rods the same way. So, he, yeah, he, he was unbelievable at barreling the ball. And if you take it a step further, did you ever see Tony overswing, off balance, grunt, and that guy could have hit forty homers if he wanted to. Okay, he
3: He, he could easily hit hit thirty, but he'd lose thirty points on his average. So that was that was the choice he made.
1: Exactly, and he did what he had to do every time he came up. He tried to hit a line drive, bullet, and score runs. You know, you didn't have to worry about him coming up with second and third. You either walked him or or he hit the runs in. You know, nowadays it's like the guys are going for a three run homer and it's like they're waiting for their one big meal a year. You don't go hunting elephants and bypass the wild boar and the lions and everything else. You shoot what you shoot. You get a single, you get a single. Uh, This peanuts going for the fences is is crazy, you know. But anyway. It's no
3: fun to watch either.
1: No, it's not no fun. And Mike Trout for instance, was one of the fastest runners in the United States coming out of high school. Now, he's he's much bigger and stronger. He's probably going from a 6160 down to a 6'6", 6'7". I don't know what he runs now. But the kid had instincts like you would never seen. He could steal 100 bases in the major leagues when he first came up, and they said, no, don't steal. Don't steal. It bothers the hitters. What kind of hitters does it bother? Right? <laughs> He could steal second or third. Why Why don't you take it? Because because these big guys that throw 95, can't hit the uh, ocean from the beach, they also can't hold runners on. They don't throw anything except fastballs and sliders, and they don't hold runners on, and nobody steals. It's, like, amazing to me. You know what I mean? You need to hit homers if you don't steal.
0: <laughs> no, that's right. I, I've got one for you, Joe. You um. All these things are being measured now with hitters. Whether it's launch angle, uh, they're doing spin rate, exit velocity. What do you think is important? Do you think those are important? And if if not, what do you think should be measured? I, I, I
1: think th- I think they're important in the hands of the right person, doing it the right way. Case in point, I just I just did all my guys, right? Understand this: when Mike Trout barrel speed is ninety six. His exit speed sometimes is 110 to 120. Okay. That's his 70% swing. He's not trying to get a hernia swinging as hard as he can. That's his rhythmic time swing. Big Poppy's barrel speed was 86 miles an hour. His exit speed was between 100 and 115, 120. All right. I have a copy of Big Poppy's bat. We did our guys yesterday. The highest bat speed on my team, and I got a really good 18-year-old team, was 70. Highest bat speed. Highest exit speed was like 88, okay, with Big Poppy's bat. With their little aluminum toothpicks at the academy getting a hernia, coach says, oh, Louie, he swings 90. He has exit speed of 100. Yeah, off a tee. Off a tee. He's got no control. He's spasming like a mad dog. He's swinging as hard as he can. He's pulling his head out. The ball's sitting on the tee, and the one he actually hits square has a hundred mile an hour exit speed. I can do that. I'm a hundred years old, All right? His game swing is 60, 50. you know. And so what happens is these soccer guys turn baseball guys, open up an academy. They're teaching baseball. They got hit tracks, they got meters, they got kids getting a hernia trying to hit or throw, and they're showing their dad, look, he's swinging harder now. So what if he had a hernia operation? So what if he had Tommy John? He's throwing three miles an hour harder. But he walks the ballpark. Hey, that's the price we pay. Who cares? The scout's just looking for his fastball. No, they're not. You know, it, And and again, I started to showcase business in the United States and Jerry Ford and those guys are my friends. They took it to levels I never thought of. But I used to give the kids all that information. Jerry and them were doing so many kids that they they basically just gave out the velocities. For 25 years, they've given out the velocities and velocities have gone up across the board, seven to 10 miles an hour. Now we're starting to give velocities in hitting. They're going to go up until people stop missing, and then they'll come down a little bit more. But the guys will increase their speed because they'll work harder at increasing it. You want to run faster? Run faster every day and try to beat your time. You want to throw faster? Do that. But also learn how to throw a curve and a change and actually hit a target one time. Knock yourself
0: out. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you. mean, you don't. You, you agree with it, but it's got to be. It's got to be meshed with. Timing, really, because if they're getting barrel accuracy, then that means they would be in that 70% of the swing. Like you mentioned, Trout does. His times are 70% because he's getting barrel plus bat speed. Ball yeah,
1: the average major league, and I, I, I did this. I uh, I asked about 600 major league guys over 40 years a bunch of questions, one of which was how hard do you swing? 100%, 90 80 70 60 50 And the mean number was 70%. The highest anybody ever told me was 80, and some guys said as low as 60. And I think one way to say it, swing hard in case you hit it, swing comfortably without ever moving your head, and that alone will cut you back enough that you're trying to – but you've got to try to barrel it. You've got to barrel the ball, and we're not working on that enough in BP, right? Are you hitting the sweet part of the bat? Are you hitting it closer to the plate than your teammates? The the three hitter hits it closer to the plate than his teammates. On what team? Every team. So it's important to know where your son is hitting the ball in relationship to his body, not the plate, okay? That will tell you how long his swing is. You know how many millions of kids have been told their swing is too long and they don't know how to fix it? They're trying to chop off their arms or chop off their bat. No, back up your contact point. Right. But that's easier
0: said than done. I like it. Well, you want to add something?
2: Yeah. Just, you know, so many great points Joe's brought, uh, you know, and, and I think all of us don't need exit velocity to know who hits the ball hard. You, you hear the sound, you see the ball come off the bat. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you know, and so much of it is creating the proper rhythm and timing. Um, and so many people that are teaching don't understand that. They they, they have no clue. And they, they take video snippets of Barry Bonds hitting a home run, and they think that you actually teach guys to drop the barrel, open up your hip, and swing out of your ass every swing, and that's going to make you hit home runs. That's not what Barry Bonds did. Well. It was, it, was, it was undiscernible to the eye that all of that happened, but the barrel stayed through the zone, and that's where his contact came, and it came hard. So many kids now, barrels, are they're, they're, their bats go in and out of the zone because they drop their barrels, they open their front hip, their head's moving, everything's moving. That's why the league batting average is down under 235, 240. I mean, you know, we're we're at an all-time low because we're doing things wrong because we're trying to reach the wrong conclusion. And the wrong conclusion is launch angle and exit velocity not being a good hitter. And then the wrong conclusion as a pitcher is spin rate and velocity not being a good pitcher and getting outs. It's like we're missing the boat in so many areas, and people are teaching the wrong things.
0: No, those, those are great counter. Those are great points too. Will I know uh, Joe? You mentioned some key components to when you you know when you're looking at a hitter. One was you when you shake a, a pro ball player's hand, you feel that strength in the hand, the strength in the forearm. There's no doubt. What are some things that kids can do? Strengthen the hands and forearms. I know when I from your video, I, I pulled away some quick bat exercises, as you call them windshield wipers and big circles, little circles. Hammer, yeah, we, you know, we, talk about those. Yeah,
1: we have a se- series of stick drills. We that came from martial arts quite, but you, you can go on the internet and there's a bunch of stuff to create grip strength. There's exercises you can do with your bat, exercises you can do with the sticks. Uh, you can hang on the bar, see how long you can hold it. You can do uh, pull ups and and chin-ups. Uh, there, there's even things you could buy at the store for about $10. You, you put your hand in it, and you can uh, push these coils forward and back. It's a big thing. Most guys just aren't conscious of it. I want my kids to hit a heavy bag. I want them to hit a speed bag. We hit tires with sledgehammers. Uh, we hit balls off the tee with ax handles, and we can put weights on the ax handles anything to force you to use your, your arms. I, I wanted to touch on one of the things that Will said because it's the missing piece in the modern teaching. Will said, he's looking for guys with rhythm and timing. Rhythm is timing, timing is rhythm. You can't be a great hitter or pitcher unless you have timing, rhythm, and you can't have that when you're trying to throw as hard as you can or you're spasming it, hit it as hard as you can. And you have to give up control of your body, your swing, your motion, if you don't have rhythm. Where if you watch Hank Aaron hit or some of these great, great hitters, they got rhythm. You can almost, they're almost dancing to their own tune. Same with pitchers. LeGrom is like watching, and, and Verlander, it's like it's like watching a ballet, They're they're so rhythmic and the ball comes out of their rhythm, they can time it perfectly because they're not spasming trying to throw. It's hard to control a spasm. And so rhythm is timing, timing is rhythm. Uh, it's, I know what it looks like, it's hard to see. Like if you have ever been to Wild or Cape May, New Jersey, they have a grandfather clock store and they got grandfather clocks to go all the way back to King Arthur's time sold for like $100,000. But if you go in there and you put your grandmother's grandfather clock in there? All the other clocks will be in rhythm with each other, but your pendulum might be going the opposite way. Leave it there for an hour and come back, and your grandfather clock will be in rhythm with the rest of them. How do you explain that? I can't. I know what it looks like, though. Rhythm is timing. Timing is rhythm. They'll all work together. Your body works together, works to be in sync. It organized itself to be in sync when you throw or hit a baseball. That's so fun. you try easy. <laughs>
0: Will, go ahead, Will.
2: Yeah, th- those are such great points, Joe. And, I, you know, I'm always talking on here about what I was taught at a young age when I signed by really good coaches with the Orioles. And we were going to be our own best pitching coach. And I was going to figure out when I was in a good rhythm. Yeah. And when the ball came out of my hand the right way and I knew – I knew that I was on top of the ball, behind the ball. The results all were there. My command was better. The quality of my pitches were better. Um, And it's just like as a hitter, when you get hot and you're on time and you're you're, you're in that rhythm, you're in that zone, you're seeing the ball, you're letting it travel, all those things work. And we're not teaching kids how to feel that. And make them understand that because we're teaching them all the wrong things, You're they're chasing sure. they're yeah. chasing all the shiny objects of the world, right. and not chasing the the nuts and bolts that's truly going to make them. You know. You know. We talked about Tony Gwynn. Why is not every hitting coach in the big leagues teaching that now? <laughs> I. You, you know. What. You, you know. What, what. What insane world are we living in? That, that Barry Bonds' thoughts are not being taught. I mean, it, there's something wrong. Well, a lot, a
1: lot of the coaches, Will, I mean, you know this, uh, a lot of the coaches that are in the minor leagues or rovers, they got a cup of coffee in the majors, but they couldn't hit. Right. Or they couldn't pitch that good. And the thought process is, well, he must know more than Barry Bonds about hitting because he wasn't any good. And he managed to stay in the big leagues 10 years. And my kids don't have Barry Bonds' talent, but they might have Rudy Kazutti's talent. And so we'll pay him to be a minor league hitting coach. And I'm sorry, but that isn't necessarily the right way to do it. No. And uh, the second thing is, Mr. Griffey told me that when Junior signed, everybody was afraid to touch him. And just like many of my kids, when they went in the Pro Bowl for the first time and saw ninety every night, and the guys were wilder than big leaguers, and better breaking balls, and twenty-one years old, and they were eighteen, they really struggled. Nobody went near Junior. Everybody went for the guy to sign for five hundred bucks to put their name on him and change him. Right. And sooner or later, Junior got used to that pitching figured it out on his own some. And the next thing you know, he's in the big leagues. Right. All these other guys are being tweeted with. Right. That's very commonplace. They're afraid to touch the first or second round guy. Is he making it quickly because he's the first or second round guy or because they haven't changed everything he's done his whole life? No. question.
2: <laughs> no, no, Well, that, you know, that was the, the beauty of uh, signing when I signed is we were told, uh, you know, we're not changing anything. Right. You got drafted and signed because somebody thought you could pitch or play in the big leagues. Right. And we're going to go out and let you go do that. And we're going to see what you're capable of doing. And we're going to enhance what you do well and make it better. And we're going to fix areas that need to be fixed. And that and that's so lost right now because because, like you said, Either that, or people want to put their signature on on somebody. I uh, I helped Juan Soto become a good hitter. No, you didn't. <laughs> you know it. Get it, help away from him. It's ridiculous. You know you. Uh, and the Latin American coordinator told Juan Soto not to listen to a word that that hitting coach told him. Uh, in, in in a lot of cases. So you know
1: that's right.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think the kids
1: I think what the, what, Whenever I tell a kid something it, it, I tell him one thing at a time It might be six months We're talked about the one thing And I let him try to figure that out his way But what my dad Used to do Was it was four boys He'd go watch him play And I had trouble with the high fastball Next day he was throwing me high fastballs Week on end and then when I got older, I had trouble with curves. He's throwing me curveballs all day. Didn't tell me a single word. And the next thing you know, I could hit a curveball and so forth. Right. But I figured it out. And to, I make some changes. Absolutely. But I, I changed it my way, as opposed to my dad saying, spread your feet out, bend your chest, get your hands back, get your elbow up, do this, do that. Nothing is for everybody. There, there's. Uh, we were talking about accelerators. Uh, I forget who it was. Some of the guy might have been Rudy Jaramillo and some of the people, but there's nine or ten barrel accelerators that you can use to make yourself swing harder. Each one of them is hard to control unless you grew up with it and developed the hand strength or hand speed to do it. Like, you can't make everybody hang the bat like Sheffield or tilt the bat like, uh, Guerrero Jr. But they're barrel accelerators, and there's other ones like starting your motorcycle or cocking your knee, like, like McDonaldson. Different things they can accelerate. Well, kids in the old days would experiment by imitating all the Phillies every day. Yeah, that's right. And then you settled on your thing. And people told me, I don't know if it's true or not, you have a fast bat, Joey. I heard that my whole life, right, until coach changed me, and then I had a long swing. But anyway, I had a fast bat, right? Well, why? I don't know. Whatever I did with my hands, my negative movement, tilt of the bat, whoever, whatever it was, generated bat speed. But there's at least a dozen ways that you can generate bat speed. Kids today don't experiment with it. And so the coach tells them to do this. That's what they do. Yeah. And less is always more. Yeah. It's easier to control less than it is to control a high leg kick and a big barrel tilt or a Sheffield action. But I wouldn't change Sheffield. No. He, he was a pretty good hitter. <laughs> yeah. You know, your eyes don't lie to you. I mean, you see a guy hit screaming memes all day long like Sheffield. You just put a fence around them. Don't let nobody near him
2: Yeah, exactly. See it, see it, and let it go. Yeah,
1: he was one of my favorites. You know, I I, I love watching him hit. He was great. But you know, I, I study all the good good hitters, and they're all different.
2: That's right. The the we, we have, if we walk through the Hall of Fame where Kevin was last week, there's there's no cookie cuts. There's no absolutes. There's, I can't say there's, you won't find two guys
1: exactly alike. You won't. Yeah, you absolutely will not.
2: And, but they're all great players because they became the greatest version of themselves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kevin, go ahead. You wanted to throw something in.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, also, I was lucky enough to cover, when you talk about Chef, I covered him for many years and got along well with him. I, that's, I always vote for him for the Hall of Fame, too, by the way. And,
2: uh, oh, he should be in it He should be in it the, you know, Yes the, the he players, should
3: Yeah you know come on uh, His swing was unbelievable He was the guy that didn't, didn't want to face But I remember with Wynn, McGriff And Sheffield and it's getting back to the point You were just making but I just want to uh, Make it stronger Three different hitters with three great styles And three great successes How do you as a young hitter find your own style Yes Yes well,
1: Yep, and, and and guys are successful in totally different ways, you know.
3: What do you do as a young hitter so you don't uh, fall into the trap of maybe taking the wrong information?
1: I watch them playing games. Okay. Most hitting coaches in the United States today teach in an academy. That's a great. We will tell you if I I've, I've, I've worked with close to a million hitters now, and. Even if I screwed up 600,000 of them, I had to learn something. You know what I learned? All million of them could hit. I had the coaches from coach from Stanford come in, and he'd look at my eight-year-olds and say, oh, my God, these guys swing as good as our guys at Stanford. In my academy, they did. Wow. A million guys. They all look great. But when the game started, half of them couldn't hit a bull and the butt with a snow shovel. Right? <laughs> so if you're going to teach hitting, you've got to get game at bats And a lot of them to see how he's making his outs and then try to correct him so he's not making those outs. Not so that he looks pretty in the cage in the academy. Those people aren't trying to get you out. You have to have adjustability. Adjustability means if you don't have rhythm and you're relaxed and quick, you can't make an adjustments. You can't adjust the spasm. Once the guy swings as hard as he can. Pops his hips, opens up his chest. He can't change directions of the bat, right? The ball's on top of Barry Bonds before he hits it, right? And he only has a little bit of a short punch. It's like a short punch. And that's that's a big thing. If your coach is training you strictly by what he sees in the academy, get another coach. He has to look at what you're doing in games, how they're getting you out, and stop that. Case in point, there's eight, ways to there's eight ways to make outs. That's all there is. Four ways of being too fast, four ways of being too slow. And everybody who's ever played has one of each, at least. Otherwise, you throw them all fastballs, they'd never get a hit. Or all curves, they'd never get a hit. So you got one way of being too fast and one way of being too slow, minimum. you got to identify which of those eight ways this boy makes his outs. Let's say he makes seven of his outs out of ten, uppercutting. If we can do drills, tone down his uppercut, and he makes one less out out of 10 by uppercutting. He just went from a 300 hitter to a 400 hitter. But if I'm in a cage giving him thousands of swings a day trying to hit like like I did, my default swing, and that's what most coaches do. They try to get you, wait till you're failing, and then try to get you to hit their default system, what they were taught. And it's wrong. It may not have been wrong for you, but it's wrong for nine out of ten players, probably. Phenomenal,
0: Phenomenal. Well, go ahead, Will. You wanted to throw something
2: in? Yeah, that I. You know, as Joe was talking, and you, you know, I'm on the old school side, and we all are. And but that's where uh, when reality um, can create uh, some really good things, uh, where where my son Dante is working and I'm a big proponent and talk about them all the time because uh, they're teaching, they're teaching game speed, uh, timing, rhythm, strike zone and pitch recognition, which are all things that we can't get all the time, but it can supplement so many kids, if, the, if, if they're diligent with it, and I know, you know, Dante's doing a really nice job down there as a hitting coach, and um, he, he tells me about the successes that these kids are having, and, um, you know, that's, that, that's worth as much of an investment because it becomes on you as a young hitter to feel good timing and rhythm and strike zone discipline. So, uh, you know, uh, but like Joe said, so many hitting coaches work off of a stationary tee and a soft toss and they think they're teaching their kids how to become good hitters and they're not.
0: They're they're entertaining the parents. I want to kind of I want you to share with me off the air the eight ways to to make outs. And I'm going to post that for our kids in the audience. But we'll hit on a good point. um, I want you to kind of close on this. They're more or less entertaining these kids or bamboozling these kids. And I know you and I share the same uh, thoughts where this all kind of starts with the parents. Um, what kind of message do you have to parents out there in regards to this whole process? You fixed a lot of problems for the kids today. Um, what kind of message do you have to parents?
1: Well, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go to get uh, a heart transplant to, to a rookie doing his first heart transplant, Right. You find somebody that had experience and had a background in it. It's the same in hitting or pitching. You have to find people who have been there, have maybe worked with thousands of people, and you know are students of the game and still st- studying major league techniques and talking to the major league people, all right? Because they've spent billions of dollars learning what they know. The thing right. is, it's not trickling down to American Little Leagues or anything. Like it used to. Right? So most of the amateur coaches are teaching what was taught in nineteen fifty. Throw over the top, swing level, uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And just because the guy got a cup of coffee in the minors and played a little ball and learned some of the fundamentals, they've learned just enough to be dangerous. They haven't worked with hundreds and hundreds of good ball players. And so you gotta find guys that have seen a lot of professionals work with a lot of good ball players and have a track record of, of basically working with what they bring you. You know, I just had a kid, everybody's trying to change him. He come to me and his hitting coach is one of my guys and every other coach he plays for is giving him a hard time. The guy tries to pull pretty much everything. He's got very long arms, uses a 35, 36, weighs 230 pounds of muscle, and hits the ball 550 feet with wood. And they're trying to teach him to go the other way. Now, thus far, he's hit so many home runs at perfect game, it's ridiculous. Sliders, no matter what. I don't want him to change the fact that he can hit an outside slider over the center field or left center field fence. I don't want him to change until he can't hit it no more. He hit like 650 in high school and 19 homers in like 25 games. And when he hits them, they're gone. And everybody wants to t- teach him how to hit the other way. It's like you can't throw a ball by him. What, what are you What are you trying to do? You know, some people can do it. Jim Fonema could do it. I couldn't. But a lot of people can, you know. Let the guy do what he can do.
0: I love it. I think that's a great message to kind of end on with. Um,
3: sounds, like, sounds like Ted Williams. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't too shabby. Right.
2: I mean,
1: really, uh, Babe Ruth was a, was a Deadpool, a lot of Deadpool hitters. But they I, well, some of the things they have in common, they use longer bats than a lot of modern players. They used unbalanced bats, thin handles, big barrels. Kids grow up using aluminum and they're all balanced. So the bat doesn't swing itself. You have to do all the dirty work, mm. Right. I used a 36 Cipeda to to, and all I had to do was start it and the thing swung itself. And I just had to guide it to the center of the ball, which was easy once I got it moving. Uh, it, again, to each his own, you know, but the kids don't experiment enough in anything. And here's my, can I end with my pet peeve? Yeah, please. I had a great player. He's a friend of Will's and I's. He was one of the greatest pitchers my father ever had. His son pitched in the major leagues. He came many years ago with a son who played in the major leagues. And he was seven or eight. He came for a hitting camp. And after the camp, he said, well, what do you think? Is he wasting his time playing baseball? Shall I let him go play soccer? And I felt like saying, Joey, that kid's better than you ever were at eight years old. I saw you when you were 12. He's as big as you were then. But he's not as coordinated as you were when you're twelve. This kid's liable to be in the big league someday. He's a monster. Right? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't want him wasting his time. What the hell else is he gonna do? Nuclear fission? No. You know what he's gonna do? Soccer. Soccer and lacrosse, where non athletes go. How much practice you need to be a great soccer player? You gotta be able to run and you gotta be tough enough to kick. Everybody else just stands out there like a bump on the logs. But in soccer, you can hide for seven to ten years. Nobody knows you stink. Your parents don't even know. I know this. I was in a soccer center for 20 years, and it was 40,000 square feet, and I had half of it. On the other side of the curtain was 40,000 soccer players a year. And all day long I heard soccer coaches yelling, kick it. Kick it. And I'm thinking to myself, how stupid are these kids? The black and white balls bouncing by them. They're not smart enough to kick it. He'll never be a baseball player. And then 90% of them went out of the, out of the car. They never moved from, from being underneath the heaters. They walk out in the dead of winter with a little pearl sweat on them. Mom pulls up, rolls down her window. Hey, Arm Brewster, how'd you do? I did great, Mom. I watched the kid, he didn't move for 40 minutes. I did great, mom, good. She hands him six gallon of blue Gatorade. He chugs <laughs> it, that Gatorade all over himself. And he plays there for seven years. That guy couldn't hit a ball with a snow plow. You know what I'm saying? Soccer, and that is still a better sport than lacrosse. Lacrosse, they take the big heavyset guy, They plays the tuba in the band, Run out, grab the tuba, stand a stick in his hand, turn him. When we got the ball going this way, turn that way. When the other guys got the ball, turn this way. They stand in the middle field, never move, and get to get a letter. That's lacrosse. Are you serious? We're losing baseball players because parents are quitting after T-ball. T-ball should be abolished in the United States. It's a communist plot. To ruin baseball in America.
0: <laughs> Everything.
3: I love it. Joe, one, one last point to back up your point. I remember watching some T-ball this, uh, this year, and uh, I won't get an individuals. Well, one player was making great plays, running all over the place, getting the outs at first, and then when they're out at first, they would still let the person be safe.
1: Oh, yeah. no Nobody keeps scoring, keep running. Uh, it was terrible. And I had my roommate. My roommate, Bobby Smith, he said, baseball is boring. Now, I watched him play. No, no, Bob, soccer is boring. Baseball is only boring if you don't understand the game. The game is played not in the three sections of action, action, but in the 20 to 25 seconds in between. You can't be an idiot. Nobody ever had to tell me to kick a ball. I mean, you can't. You can't play baseball if you don't know enough to catch it or pick it up. You know what I mean? Soccer and lacrosse, I'm sorry, you you don't have to be good, right? That's why most of the guys in those games, they look like upper pool and you see one guy running around. He's a soccer player. But anyway.
0: No, it was good. We came full circle back to Bobby. We started the interview with him. We came back to him with it. Joe, how do people find you? If we, I mean, I wish we could clone you and put you in every state so all kids can learn hitting well, the way you teach it. I'm
1: I'm trying. I I have a website, thehitdoctorusa.com. Five uh, minutes. It's it's
0: it's about
1: to it's about to go nationwide. Uh, I'm going to try to take my teachings because I'm getting too old and I'm forgetting a lot of stuff, and I want to try to least teach what I know till I forget it all uh, I got a good website they can download everything for free I, I and I have forums and there's a guy Jeff Fry playing the big leagues he he hates these modern baseball rebellion guys I like anybody that's trying to teach baseball legitimately and make it better I don't agree with everybody but I like to hear it but I, I get a kick out of when Jeff talks about what he disagrees with, because he's right in so many things.
0: He's, he's and, our Wednesday uh, show. He's our newest cast member on the Coaching Curtain Podcast Network. So he,
1: he's, he's a banana. He's a, actually a very, very funny guy.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And,
1: and, and uh, you know, it, it, he doesn't have an appreciation of some of the good things that have come from the Baseball Rebellion. They're looking at it. The, the Baseball Rebellion people, the launch angle people, the hit and spin guys, you always got to look at what positives they brought to the game. And the sheer fact that people are studying hitting more than ever and practicing certain things more than ever is a good thing. But you need people maybe like a Jeff or someone else to interpret what you're doing to help you get on the right path.
0: Oh, I- you know. I think we need you, too. Jeff, every Wednesday, you can see, you can listen to him. And then uh, everybody, lock into the hitdoctor.com pull off his videos. I know it helped me make that transition from college to professional baseball. I think it'll help the kids out there, too. Joe, thanks so much. You were fantastic today. And hang on a little oh. bit after the show. We want to talk to you a little bit after the music plays here.
1: Thank you.